A reading from Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but with that full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard passed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all. For your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not be frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation, and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake engaged in the same conflict that I saw I had and now hear that I still have. The word of the Lord. Well, good morning again. I invite you to join me as I say a quick word of prayer before we hear from God's word. Dear Heavenly Father, may... The words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. And in the oldest prayer of the church, I pray, come Holy Spirit, come in Jesus' name. Amen. So this fall, we are working our way through the book of Philippians. And thank you so much for that reading this morning. Uh, I also want to issue a big thank you to someone who was not here in the early service, but she's here now, and that's my wife, Carly, who's in the front row. If you joined us last week, she shared part of her heart and her story as it relates to this actual passage. And she shared of some dark times in her life, um, times where she faced depression, times where she sought counseling, and in the end, God showed up. But it was not easy. It was hard. And I want to celebrate that actually this week, I think five different people from our church finally said, I'm suffering, and I don't want to be silent in my suffering. And they reached out to be referred to a professional counselor. And I'm a big fan of counseling, and Carly is as well, and our team is. And, and so I'm just thankful for your boldness in being so vulnerable, Carly. But there's more to the story about last weekend. You see, my wife was very sick, and I dare say she was very confused at times. 
She's been sick for about two weeks. And you know when you're around someone and they just keep hacking, like keep coughing, and it's, you, you just care so much that you want them to get well, and maybe it's just quite loud. Either way, I did an intervention um, going into last weekend and said, babe, you're so sick. We need to get you in front of a doctor. She said, oh, it's nothing. And either way, she finally went to the doctor and she was diagnosed with bronchitis in the early stages of pneumonia. But she still dared to share last weekend because she's a trooper. But knowing that she had this diagnosis, I thought to myself, I need to be a good husband. Now's my chance. So I went and I bought her a sweet little flower and I bought her this, it's not medicine, it's kind of this vitamin pack, super pack. You see this, I'm holding it up. Airborne, I guess the genesis of Airborne is a teacher or someone finally who was traveling a lot kept getting sick and she said, I need a super dose of vitamins and she created this super dose vitamin situation. So I dropped off the flower and I dropped off this packet of Airborne to my wife. And after school that day, I think it was on that Friday, Carly says, I've, I've got something embarrassing to share with you. I said, what's that? She goes, you know that Airborne you dropped off? She goes, I didn't read the directions. And I threw it in my mouth. And within just right away, like all of a sudden, my mouth starts fizzing wildly. And I'm foaming at the mouth. And the kids are looking at me in horror. What is, one says, what's wrong, Miss Sorensen? And then another cutie says, Miss Sorensen, I think you were supposed to drop that in water to let it dissolve. And so she's foaming and she's slow and she's confused and sick and she spits it out. She's like, thanks, Sophia. Thank you. So I'll say this, babe. You did a great job last weekend. A little bit of pneumonia, a little bit of fizzing. But you made it through, and I'm so thankful. But in all seriousness, as we look at this passage, I think this is true for the room. We all suffer, but not all of us handle suffering the same way. All of us suffer, but not all of us handle it the same way. And looking at our passage, here's my takeaway, and I think here's our takeaway that we're going to unpack for those who trust in Jesus, suffering is a platform to advance, strengthen, and even unite our faith in Him. Let me repeat that. For those who trust in Jesus, suffering is a platform to advance, strengthen, and unite us in our faith in Him. So let's unpack this. Point number one, suffering is a platform to advance our faith in Jesus. We read these words this morning. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So a little backdrop to this story and to this text, okay? Paul had been a Jewish leader. In fact, he, didn't, he couldn't stand Christians, early Christians. We read in the book of Acts, in fact, that he oversaw the death of an early Christian. 
But God at some point, even though Paul was ascending the ladder of leadership in the Jewish faith, God gripped Paul's heart and his, his life was never the same. Paul became a man on a mission. And what was the mission? We read over and over again, both in this passage and in other passages, to advance or share the gospel. And what is the gospel? We read in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his own Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For Paul, who was a Jewish scholar, Jesus was the Messiah, the long-expected Christ that would bring salvation to individuals and a people that would forgive sins, heal hearts, grip people, and pull them back to God. And Paul devoted all of his life moving from persecuting Christians to then cultivating Christians, telling people about this story how this man Jesus had come and changed his life forever. And the irony here is this. Suffering advanced the gospel in Paul's life and can advance it in our life because, oddly enough, sometimes our suffering expands, I'm going to use a catchy word for you business people, our networks. Some of you are on Facebook. Some of you are on LinkedIn. When Paul is saying it advanced the gospel through my imprisonment, it's his network increased. Let me, let me flesh this out a bit more. He says the whole imperial guard now knows about the gospel. The imperial guard represented the most elite fighting unit in soldiers in the Roman Empire. There was 9,000 soldiers handpicked. They got double pay. Often they would even run the Roman Empire. There's times in history where these guys overthrew Caesar. Now, in a unique sort of way, these guys were also tasked with overseeing the imprisonment of, you know, the imperial prisoners. In fact, two of them would be chained to Paul in this prison. And Paul is writing from a prison to this church in Philippi, which was the first church in Europe that he helped start. He loved the church in Philippi, and he basically saying, guys, I'm writing to let you know I have good news. The gospel is advancing in my imprisonment. The gospel is advancing through my suffering. In the words of commentator Walter Hansen, Paul holds up his chains, his suffering for all to see. Through the excuse me, and though the messenger may be bound in chains, the message cannot be bound for Paul. Ironically, the more he suffered, the more God seemed to use Paul. We don't have time to unpack all the ways he suffered. This guy was in prison over and over again. This guy had shipwrecks over and over again. He's like the never-ending bunny, you know, the, the energizer bunny and for Jesus. He just keeps going and going and going. And you know, what's interesting is Despite what Paul does not have, the elite Romans seem to want what he does have. I don't know about you, but I came to the point in my life where I had like the fresh looking resume. I thought I had everything buttoned up. And the irony is the more successful 
I became, the more lonely and depressed I became. And there's this sense that as these elite people would interact with Paul, they were drawn to what or who he had or who had him in his heart. And you can only imagine when the guards were changed, Paul whispering in prayer, thanks be to God that I have the opportunity to share this good news with yet another two soldiers. Beyond that, there's this sense, there's this Sermon on the Mount that Jesus preached that's well regarded across religious traditions. But in the words of Eugene Peterson, uh, we read this in Matthew 5 from the message. You're blessed when you run, excuse me, you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there's more of God and his rule. You're blessed when you feel you've not, um, you're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. And Paul had discovered this truth. He had discovered that ironically, the more he suffered, the more Christ and the gospel meant to him and the more it meant to those around him. And people wanted to know more. Point number one, suffering can advance our faith and advance our platform for sharing the faith. Point number two, suffering is a platform to strengthen our faith. We read these words. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ for that is far better. I don't know about you, but I'm into good taglines. I'm into good imagery. I kind of like Instagram in some sense because a picture shares a thousand words and you can see someone's story just like that. Someone shared today that they came to our church by seeing a picture and pictures of our community on Instagram. But even beyond that, I like good taglines because they capture the mission and the heart of whatever brand they're selling or whatever community they're representing. Here in the DI Fellowship, we have a tagline that says, um, creating community, revealing Christ. But I have a little quiz for you, Michael, and for you, Caden, and for others in the room. Here are some popular taglines. Let's see if we can get them right. Just do it. Nike. Nike, okay, one for one. Think different. Apple, who got that right? Middle, congratulations. Okay, Caden, good job. Number three, shave time, shave money. Not all state, but... Come on, come on now, Emily. Bring it, bring it. Shave time, shave money. Who got that? Yes, oh my God, the family. They're good. Okay. Dollar Shave Club, and last but not least, a global force for good. What? That's the Navy. The Navy. And we have our nuclear officer over in the corner saying, that's the Navy. Now I want you to uh, consider filling in the blank here in your own life and in our culture. To live is dot, dot, dot. To live is... Clemson football. 
Lord have mercy. To live is Gamecock football. To live is finally meeting that special someone. To live is finally building that special house. To live is finally launching that special business. Visiting that special place. The list goes on and on and on. In studying for today's sermon, I came across this um, quote that was inscribed in Carthage ruins. And it reads, to laugh, to hunt, to bathe, to game, that is life. For Paul, here was his motto, to live is Christ, to die is gain. And actually, there are no verbs in the original language, so it's even more emphatic. To live Christ, to die gain. To live Christ, to die gain. And there was this sense with Paul, as he's writing to the Philippians, that connection represents perfection in our Christian faith. Connection to Christ. And the more we suffer, the more we're driven to either count on our own means and our own resources, or the more we're invited to cry out to the one we read in Jeremiah, uh, I think it's 31, God has loved us with an everlasting love. Slow to anger, abounding in love. So what Paul is saying is, I want to connect with Christ all the more while I live, but I can't wait to connect with him once again once I die. But more than that, Paul goes on to write, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and convince, excuse me, and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Not only was connection to Christ perfection for Paul, courage in Christ was contagious for Paul. You see, there was this sense that he knew he meant so much to the Philippians that they didn't want him to die. They didn't want him to go away. In fact, they longed for him to keep setting the tone and direction and example and encouragement so that they could follow suit. The point is we all long for someone to show us the way, especially through our suffering which only strengthens our way. This is why I do believe groups like AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, we have several people in our church in AA, and it saved their life. There's this common vulnerability, this common suffering that they find that strengthens one another. And that's the picture Paul is painting here. He's saying, I am called to strengthen your faith through my suffering. So point number one, suffering can advance our faith. Point number two, it can strengthen our faith. Point number three, it can unite our faith. We read these words, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. You see, suffering has a way of revealing our common humanity. In one of our community groups on Tuesday, 
uh, I co-lead a young professionals group. And we talked a lot about what it means to be made in the image of God this last Tuesday. And this, this gal who's sitting over in this section talked about how unique it is that it says in the early books of Genesis, we're all made in God's image. And that means something. And in some sense, we're all connected to God himself. Now, clearly, we all, quote unquote, sin as we read in the Bible. What that means is we turn to our own way and we trust our own devices. We say, I've got it figured out and we walk away from God. But in moments where there's great grief and struggle, you actually see across humanity God's image come to bear. So for instance, over the last week, I've seen it and you've seen it in Puerto Rico and in Las Vegas, the horrific shooting in Vegas. You've seen people across ethnicities, across families, across neighborhoods and communities and cities across the world say, this can't be. And you see hearts gripped by compassion, stirred by injustice, saying this is not right. And in that moment, and in this moment, I believe our common humanity is revealed and we're drawn together to serve those suffering communities. But those moments are fleeting. And what Paul is saying is, no, allow your suffering to turn you both back to Jesus himself, but to one another forever. Suffering is a platform to bring unity in the faith. A way to summarize it is suffering calls us to unite as one under the care of the one. Paul liked sport. He liked athletics. The language here, striving side by side, is that of an arena in a team together, never giving up. In fact, it's saying being one man is the more literal transla translation. I want to see you as one. So this is good news, all of it. Let me share why. Number one, in terms of advancing your faith in your suffering, let me just share, if you're suffering today, your suffering is not meaningless. God sent his son to suffer so that he could relate to you and redeem you and love you, but he doesn't leave you alone. He calls us together as a church. And Paul is saying, I want to welcome more people home through the advance of my faith to the family of God. Your suffering matters. Number two, you're called to strengthen and be strengthened by the examples of others. To get connection and courage when you can't walk it alone, you can't do it alone. We're not meant to do life alone for others to show the way. I brag about a couple of our couples here at the church, but let me brag about them yet again. Um, the Amendolias over here who are on staff and the McSwains, they've been married combined probably 100 years. Legitimately, how long have you been married? 51. 47. The amount of wisdom and trailblazing these two couples have done is remarkable. And I just wanna share, like if you're a younger person or a younger couple, how wonderful is it that we can together learn and lean into such wisdom, even like Butch and Mary and others. 
We don't walk alone, which leads to point number three. Our suffering unites us as one. Sarah, oddly enough, like, I've got your back and you've got our back. And my guess is you're going to be connected with this family at least and maybe more of us throughout the rest of your life. That's a beautiful thing. And that happens because of the gospel. We're all called home. And our suffering is a means to coming back to the Lord and coming back to the Lord together over and over again. And this is good news. Which leads me to this final statement that Paul wrote, which at first blush is almost insulting if you're not okay with suffering. But if you trust God and what he's doing in your life, this will start to make sense, which is this statement. For it has been granted, in the original language means it has been graced to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. It has been grace to you that you would suffer. I know this isn't a popular message with American Western Christianity, but this is God's word. And it's through those dark times that Christ reveals himself and the people of God reveal themselves again and again and again. So if you're here and you're suffering, I just want to say your suffering matters. You matter to God. You matter to us. You don't walk alone. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the radical example of the Apostle Paul. And I thank you for even those in this room that are committed to walking with us and being for us. God, for those who are suffering in this room right now, would you pour out your mercy? For those who may have experienced a death recently, God, comfort those people in only the way that you can bring comfort. God, for those who are struggling in marriages or in parenting situations or family situations, God, I pray for wisdom and peace. And I pray even in the midst of those situations, not only you would love us, but you'd love them through us. And God, I pray, I pray that you would call your people home. You'd call your family together, that we would be as one and stand as one. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.